Hello and welcome back to Inside the Yale Admissions Office. My name is Mark and I'm a Yale Admissions Officer. My name is Hannah and I'm also a Yale Admissions Officer. And this is coming out right around Decision Day. So we wanted to do an episode all about how we think you should think about and process the news that's coming out soon. So what we're going to talk about today is kind of based on our experience of working with students and parents. Uh, Just a quick disclaimer, we are not psychiatrists. We will not be doling out any sort of mental health advice here. Um, But we do want to talk a little bit about how we suggest that you think about the decision that you receive from Yale or from another college, whether it's deny, admit, or waitlist. And we'll talk about what each of these three outcomes really means and how you might think about processing them. Yeah, and our hope here is that we can provide you some valuable insights that will help you deal with admissions decisions that you would get from any selective college, not just from Yale. And we are coming at this from our experience frequently encountering some folks who do not process their decision in a particularly healthy way. One of the things that surprised me most when I started working in admissions is that we often get some, let's say, feedback from folks after they are disappointed by their decision. Feedback is a nice word. (laughs) Yeah. It actually doesn't come as frequently right in the moment afterwards. Like you'd kind of think immediately there would sort of be this white hot rage and like Mm. the day after decisions went out, we would, our phones would be ringing off the hook. That actually doesn't happen all that much. Instead, what we find is that it's often a few weeks later when we encounter folks who have just clearly been stewing over this and Mm. their brain has just gone to some pretty unhealthy places in the interim. Right. They're, they're, they're a little bit sort of removed from reality by the time we start to hear from them. Um, but we also encounter students who, uh, might draw the wrong conclusions about being admitted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes they students, sometimes their parents, sometimes their schools, they have a little bit too much hubris about Mm. what happened. They're patting themselves on the back a little bit too much. We also encounter students who experience some real imposter syndrome and they think that the admissions office made a mistake and they think, well, there's no way that I could succeed at a place like Yale. And they wind up going through the month of April and into May making their college decision um, based on some incorrect assumptions about where they would be able to succeed. And then we also, of course, see students who sort of take the wrong approach to being uh, put on our wait list. They might sort of drag out the process unnecessarily, keep themselves from enjoying the end of their senior year and, uh, you know, miss out on some other great college options. So in this episode, we are going to give you some advice for dealing with each one of those decisions. If you're admitted to a college, fabulous. If you're denied, how to manage that disappointment. And then finally, if you're on the wait list. Before we dive into each of those, though, let's give some general advice for just thinking about what an admissions decision from a college really means. Yeah, absolutely. I think the number one thing, uh, remember that decisions are not a reflection of your worth, Mm -hmm. uh, your potential success in college and beyond, your effort in the process, your brains or anything like that. These are not validations or condemnations of parenting choices or high schools or extracurricular activities or anything like that. It is really tempting to mm. think about college admissions this way. Um, it's especially true if you get good news, yeah. right? But that's a misinterpretation of our work. I will mention one of the things that has made me cringe the most <laughs> is when I see uh, high schools, particularly independent high schools, sort of advertise with their students' acceptances. Oh, uh, yeah. Many years ago, there was a small school in a city I won't name that literally had a giant billboard featuring a a young woman wearing her Yale t-shirt. 
And it was up for years, and I would drive through the city doing outreach visits, and I just couldn't avoid it. And the young woman was fabulous. I mean, mm. she's fantastic. But the idea that this school was sort of taking credit for everything about her and then advertising based on it, just completely wrong use of the college admissions process. Remember that our work is narrower and less ambitious than many sort of may imagine. Um, our goal is to try to select great young people for a very specific four-year experience, uh, which is very different from saying who is the best or who is the most worthy uh, in our process. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go ahead and talk about each one of these decisions. We decided that we we're going to talk about these in order of frequency. Yes. And no matter what your decision is, remember, you are in good company, right? There are tens of thousands of people who've gone through this process who have been denied, who've been admitted, who've been put on the wait list before. So even though it's probably going to feel very personal, mm -hmm. remember that lots and lots of people experience this. So, all right, let's start with the, the bad news first. Let's talk about how to handle, how to deal with being denied from a college. Right up front, let's just acknowledge that this is not going to feel good. No. <laughs> um, it, it sucks. Uh, you wanted something and you didn't get it. You probably, you know, feel like you made a big investment in your application and it wasn't recognized. Um, and we also know that the way we ask you to reflect in your essays and everything means that you put a lot of your personality into your application uh, and that makes it hard to not take it personally when yes. you're not accepted. I find that to be one of the the most challenging things and just kind of the biggest paradox about this is that we're going to, we've told you, you know, be personal in your application, be personal, be personal. Mm -hmm. And then if you're denied, we say, don't take it personally. Right. And that's, that's tough. We get that. You may feel really frustrated, right? And this is sort of classic frustration. You worked hard for something. You didn't get the outcome you wanted. You can also feel kind of mournful. Um, you know, you've probably spent a lot of time imagining yourself at a particular school and now that thing is gone. You may also feel like admissions officers are a bunch of dummies and we don't know <laughs> what we're doing. That is all fine. Like yep. all those feelings that you're going to have in the moment, there is nothing wrong with any of them whatsoever. But your goal is to deal with the decision. You are trying to move on from it and you want to get those initial feelings out of the way and get to a different place. And the absolute best way that I have uh, heard uh, anyone sort of talk about this actually comes from our previous admissions dean, a guy named Jeff Brenzel. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that we can have him on the podcast soon. Mm -hmm. Jeff is such a thoughtful guy and actually wrote a wonderful piece about how to um, think about admissions decisions that we've kept on our website. It's called um, What to Do After Colleges Accept You. Mm -hmm. And his advice on this is just so perfect. He says, the only way to deal with a denial decision is to say, you're lost, baby. Mm -hmm. And that's my best <laughs> Jeff impression. That's pretty good. You're lost, baby. <laughs> that's your goal. You want to get to this place where you're saying, gee, Yale, you are missing out on an awesome person. Another college is going to be super lucky to have me. So you're lost, baby. Yeah. And you'd be totally correct if you mm -hmm. if you reach that conclusion. And remember, uh, Mark and I have talked about this before, but we feel like we're missing out all the time. Like we can validate that yeah. we we are uh, often uh, you know really frustrated to have to deny students. The next piece of advice that we have is just to remember that you have absolutely no idea how close you came mm -hmm. to being admitted. Uh, you know, it's not like we send a different letter for students who were pulled out as part of a, a sort of final review of the class or those who are completely uncompetitive. 
Yeah, you will never know what happened in the admissions committee room. It's, I think, that fact that makes people's brains kind of go into overdrive mm -hmm. because they try to imagine kind of what happened, what mistake did I make. That is not what typically happens. Right. That is not usually why a student is denied. Right. We're never sitting in the committee room and saying, if only a student didn't do this, they'd be getting accepted. Exactly. That doesn't happen. Yeah. So our next piece of advice is, um, you know, go ahead and blame tens of thousands of other people, but don't blame yourself. Yes. I have to imagine if you're the type of person who listens to a podcast about admissions, you are probably as over-analytical as Hannah and I are, yeah. um, right? And so you're going to want to come up with an explanation for what just happened. But the only information that's readily available to you is what you put in your application. So right. this is why you're going to tend to say, well, what did I do wrong? What was it about this that didn't work out? What could I have done better? So this is a, a classic fallacy that gets talked about in social science research a lot of searching for your keys under the streetlight. Mm -hmm. So a quick aside here, um, this is a, a, a common critique of, of a particular type of research where someone says, well, you were looking for the explanation of something and you just looked for where it was easy as opposed to where the data might might lead you. And the, the analogy here is of a professor who's uh, walked home from his uh, lab at the end of the day and drops his keys somewhere, gets right. home, realizes he doesn't have his keys, goes back to look for them. It's dark out. And where is he looking for them? Well, under the streetlight. Not because that's where he thinks he dropped them, but mm -hmm. that's where the light is. So you're going to tend to look for things where it's easy to look for them, and that's going to be in your application. If you saw what we saw, though, which is an applicant pool full of tens of thousands of students, you would realize that the explanation is in a much different and much larger place than just what was in your application. Exactly. And uh, we have you know, been th through this process so many times and read so many applications that we can say with, uh, you know, pretty good certainty that most applicants who are denied would be great at Yale, yes. did nothing wrong in their application. You know, it's not that they made any wrong choices in their high school experience. It just comes with the territory of a very selective admissions process. So go ahead and blame tens of thousands of other people around the world, but <laughs> be careful don't blame any specific person. This is another right. manifestation of that Keys spotlight fallacy is finding someone who was admitted and saying, aha, you got my spot. Mm -hmm. We see this in high schools a lot and no good can come from it. Yeah, and you know, besides the fact that we don't have quotas or you know, try to admit a certain number of people from certain places or certain high schools, uh, there's probably a lot about your peers that you don't know. They may have been admitted for reasons that you don't know about. Um, and it, you know, it may or may not be the case that you'd agree with these reasons, but we can guarantee that they didn't affect your candidacy. Okay, so final piece of advice here. Put that overactive brain of yours to work thinking about all the awesome things that you're going to do in college wherever you've been admitted. Do not let bad news from one school overshadow the great news that you've gotten from one or more colleges. Right. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. You only get to go to one college, so you only need one acceptance letter. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's one that, that you're really excited about. Focus in on that rather than dwelling on the places that you don't get in. Exactly. You're going to do great things in college. Do them for you uh, and just forget about the schools that turned you down. Remember, you're a lost baby. And just a few sort of practical notes before we move on to talking about other decisions. Uh, the first one, this is really important. There's no appeals process. Yeah. Um, you know, we do not uh, do not go back and revisit applications after they've been denied. It just wouldn't be fair. Right. 
Also, we students have the option to apply again, but reapplying almost never changes the outcome. And finally, I feel like we should say you're not going to hurt our feelings if you decide to unsubscribe from our podcast. No. That's totally cool. We get it. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> okay, let's talk about something happier, um, how to handle and admit you just got some good news from a college. It feels great. Enjoy it. Jump up and down. Hug your mom. Call your grandma. My first piece of advice here is get lots and lots of people to share in the joy of this moment. Yeah. Um, like share it with as many people as quickly as possible. They are going to love being part of that experience with you. Totally. And this kind of leads into, um, you know, this is a great time to start recognizing all the people who helped you reach this place. Uh, those teachers who wrote you recommendation letters, mm -hmm. um, everyone who supported you, no one gets into Yale on their own. So be proud of what you've done and also start thinking of the other people who helped you get there. Yes. Start saying thank you right away. Um, you know, there have been people on your team throughout high school that got you to where you are. You want them on your team when you're in college as well. Let's talk a little bit about what a decision means and what a decision doesn't mean mm -hmm. in this case. So yeah. this is going to be similar to what we've talked about in previous episodes. But the, the most important thing, I think, to keep in mind about what a decision means is that you, you indeed, you stood out in our pool. Um, there were lots of smart and accomplished students in our applicant pool, and among them, some things about you caught the attention of our admissions committee. Um, those some things that got us specifically <laughs> excited um, were about four years at Yale and what you would take away from those four years and what you would add to those four years. Um, this is a real vote of confidence for the Yale experience specifically. So, you know, thinking about students who sometimes encounter this imposter syndrome, you know, I wanna say up front, this is a real vote of confidence. We are professionals. We think that we're pretty good at this. Mm -hmm. We think we're pretty good at finding students from all kinds of different backgrounds and connecting the dots and saying, yes, this student for a whole bunch of different reasons could absolutely thrive for four years in our environment and, and graduate having gotten a whole lot out of the experience. So we believe in you for Yale specifically if you're offered admission. What your decision does not mean it doesn't mean that you were smarter or that you worked harder than the tens of thousands of other people who were denied. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we can pretty much guarantee you that someone smarter than you and someone who worked harder than you got denied. Just yeah. trust us on that one. Yes. We've we've seen it all. Um, it also doesn't mean that you deserved this any mm -hmm. more than someone else, however you'd sort of define that. It also doesn't mean that your life is now going to be a magical cakewalk mm -hmm. and that opportunities and successes will just magically appear at your doorstep for the rest of your life. Right. Um, in, <laughs> Still <laughs> learning that lesson. <laughs> you know, in fact, there's a pretty good chance that your time in college is going to be more challenging than what you've already experienced. Um, you have our confidence that you're going to do well, but you should uh, think about really preparing yourself for that experience. You've got a lot more to do ahead of you. Your story is not done by any stretch of the imagination. So we want you to take this news with a mix of humility and confidence and don't look back. Get right. excited. Yes. I think that's a final piece of advice really for all decisions is that remember that this college admissions process, it's a means to an end. Mm -hmm. It is not an end in and of itself. Right. This is a process to get you to college. So even if you find yourself at the college you always dreamed about, that's time to go live out that dream. Leave the admissions process behind you. Mm -hmm. Hannah and I, we go back in the cycle. We do this over and over again. You only have to do it once. So right. move on and don't look back. All right. Let's talk about that tricky middle ground of handling a waitlist decision. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll also say that if you were if you apply early action, um, some of the same advice can be applied if you're handling a defer decision. Yeah. Good point. It 
you know, might feel not great, confusing. (laughs) Uh, Lots of things. (laughs) Lots of things. You'll probably sort of go back and forth between relief that it's not a rejection, uh, you know, frustration that you don't have closure, and a whole lot of confusion and bewilderment about what comes next. Yes. Uh, This can be very confusing. So here is the big piece of advice. Despite the fact that you've not received closure yet from any particular school that puts you on the wait list, act like there is. Yes. Act like it's not going to happen. Not because you don't have a chance of getting off the waitlist, you certainly do, but because you do not want to miss the opportunity to get yourself really excited about your other options. So tuck that waitlist decision away, try not to think about it, and spend your time focusing on the good news that you already have in hand. Yeah, and another reason that that advice makes sense is there's not a whole lot you can or should be doing. Um, you know, there's mm-hmm. a reason we call it the wait list. You're just going to have to wait. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that can seem frustrating um, as fellow control freaks. We get it. Uh, but it's true. You know, um, you were put on the wait list not because there is some deficit to your application, but because your application was really strong and we would love to be able to admit you. Right. Part of this is also just practical. In the month of April, we as admissions officers are spending all of our time thinking about our admitted students and yielding them, as we say, trying to get them to choose Yale. Mm -hmm. The wait list is just really far down on our list of priorities at at this time. So you are not going to help your case by calling us, visiting campus, sending a million updates, Mm -hmm. um, or getting the whole town (laughs) to write on your behalf. And it helps to understand why we have a wait list. We have a wait list because we don't know what yield is going to look like in any particular year. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to talk a lot about yield in a future episode, kind of the programming that we do and how we try to get students to think about Yale among their other great decisions and all the interesting work that admissions officers do in that space. But there is just some um, unknowns that are associated with this. We really don't know how yield is going to affect the shape of the class. Mm -hmm. Um, We want our class to be diverse along lots of different dimensions, and sometimes our yield surprises us. And the class that we yield, the students who have said, yes, we're coming in the fall, looks a little bit different than the class that we admitted. We like having a wait list. We want to go to the wait list, but occasionally there's just not any room. Yeah, we have absolutely no idea how many students we're going to go to. And we don't know, you know, until after May 1, which is when students who've been admitted um, reply. So that's why our wait list is not ranked. Mm-hmm. It's why we have no idea if we're going to be going for zero students or 100 students off the wait list. Um, and that's why there's just not much that you can do in the interim. And by the way, we do try to work quickly once May 1 comes around. Uh, We don't want to leave you hanging indefinitely. Um, Remember, just if you're waiting, just try to put it out of your mind. Put it out of your mind. Go get the sweatshirt for your new college. (laughs) Go get excited about where you're going to be living there. That's what you should be spending your energy doing. If you get a call from a Yale admissions officer, that would be great, but you shouldn't be spending your time worrying and thinking about, is that going to happen? Well, that's a lot to think about. Remember to separate out how you feel in the moment when you get one of these decisions uh, with how you're going to deal with it and move on from your decision. Um, And everyone will move on from their decision, even those who have been admitted. And after you get your decisions, hey, you're back in the driver's seat. You get to decide which college will be lucky enough to get you for four years. You are the decider now, and Mm -hmm. you're probably going to break some hearts at admissions offices along the way. (laughs) You absolutely will. (laughs) It happens to all of us. (laughs) Let me wrap up with one final piece of advice from uh, former dean of admissions, Jeff Brenzel, who said this just perfectly. So here's a full quote from him. After years of experience, here's what I know, virtually to the point of certainty. Almost nothing depends on exactly which strong college admits you. 
Everything depends on what you decide to do once you get to a strong college and how well prepared you are to take advantage of the infinite opportunities you will find there. That is absolutely what we believe and yeah. how we operate. So take that good advice. I have not worked in an old movie quote in a while either. So um, <laughs> Let's I. Let's do it. So here's a quote from one of the best movies of all time. It is almost 80 years old and it's still spectacular Casablanca. Of course. I'm going to do my best Humphrey Bogart impression here. This is quite the build up. All right. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm no good at being noble. It doesn't take much to see the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Here's looking at you, kid. All right. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to our friend and colleague, Jill, who's both our sound engineer and a great admissions officer. Thanks to Reed for lending us his office. Thanks to former admissions officer, Andrew Brick Johnson, who composes our music. Check him out at andrewbrickjohnson.com. If you have comments or an idea for an episode, drop us a line at yaleadmissionspodcast at gmail.com. And finally, remember that the views expressed in this podcast are mine and Mark's and don't necessarily represent those of Yale University. Thanks for listening.